The scripture reading for today is from the third chapter of the book of Genesis, verses 8 and 9. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? This is the word of the Lord. Before I get started this morning, I want to thank uh, Jim Philpott and Mary Lou Palmer and Tricia Schneider for standing up here and taking my place these past three Sundays while I was recovering from surgery. I want to thank all of you also for praying for me, and I want you to know I felt each and every prayer and the fact that I am feeling so good, and by the end of, of last week I was dying to get back to church, I can assure you that your prayers were answered and all the cards and emails and notes were so appreciated. My family felt well-loved and well-fed throughout this whole time. And I was once again reminded of what a blessing it is to be a part of this amazing congregation. And I missed you all so much, too. So let's see if I've forgotten how to do this over the past three Sundays, okay? Will you pray with me? Oh God, the three-in-one, you draw us into this community of love with people across ages and around the world, by the same spirit that binds us together, speak to us today so that your message may encourage us and stretch us to trust and follow you. It's through Christ we pray. Amen. So we are starting a sermon series today that's going to last for the next few weeks until Lent starts, and we're going to explore questions that God asks us through the stories we read in Scripture, where God asks some familiar person or character in the Bible one question or another. Sometimes the people heard this question directly from God, and other times people heard the question God was asking them through another person. I'm a little more familiar with that one. The idea for this series actually came to me last year when I was in the middle of the series where I had invited all of you to submit questions that you had about the Bible or um, theology or the church, and, and I was answering those questions in my sermon, and I realized, well, it's only fair if we turn this about a little bit, right, and look at the questions that God asks of us. So in this time, we'll be looking at these questions, and... Um, Russell read this passage today, and in it we're just catching the end of a really familiar story, right? The, the children filled in the details quite well, I thought. And I, I want to hear about this. You made clothes for Adam and Eve. That sounded really intriguing. Um, and quite impressionable, made a big impression too. But God has spent seven days creating, and in those seven days God has created the first human, Adam, and God placed Adam in the garden. And God, and God had said to Adam, only Adam, mind you, nobody else had been created yet. God said to Adam, you can eat from any tree, any tree in the garden, except from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. The moment you eat from that tree, you are dead. Now, as, as former parents, as parents, do you remember warning your children not to do something? 
And what was their response, typically? I don't know about your children. Maybe they weren't minded you much better than my own. But my children usually went out and did whatever I'd warned them not to do. Now, it's sort of parenting 101, that, right, 101 though, right? You, you learn that your child is going to do this so that when the next children come along, you switch it up and you try a little reverse psychology on them, don't you? Like, don't do that exactly what you want them to do. Well, I want you to remember that Adam was God's first child, right? So God is in the parenting 101 phase when he delivers this edict to not eat from the tree. Next, God created Eve. And, you know, the details on this part of the story are a little bit murky. How did Eve hear about the prohibition of eating from that tree? We don't know. Did God tell her also? Maybe. Did God leave it to Adam to do it? Maybe. We don't get that part of the story, but clearly she's heard something. Because when the snake asks her, do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? Even Eve responds with this, not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, don't eat from it. Don't even touch it or you will die. Now, someone had clearly talked to Eve about this tree. She knew not to eat from it. She seemed to know where it was located in the garden, in the middle. She didn't refer to it by its name, which is kind of interesting, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But she did notice that you weren't supposed to eat from it, and she kind of upped the ante too, right? She said, not only are we not supposed to eat from it, We're not supposed to touch it. Where did that part come from? Anyhow, I think you probably know the drill. The snake convinced Eve it would be fine to eat from the tree. They would become like God if they ate from the tree. And just by looking at it, Eve could tell that the fruit would be tasty. So Eve took a bite, and she gave some to Adam. And immediately, the two of them did see what was really going on, They saw themselves naked. They sewed leaves together as makeshift clothes for themselves. And when they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the scripture tells us that the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden. They hid from God. As Crystal asked, did that work for them? (laughs) Where are you? God asked. Where are you? We do that, don't we, just as the kids admitted. We, we do something we know we shouldn't have done, and we try and hide it from everyone. Sometimes we try and hide it from ourselves. We bury it in our memory, don't we? And we do try to hide it from God. And it's so senseless, and we know that. But we do it anyway. We try to hide something from an omniscient, all-knowing God. The God who immediately turns around and starts calling to us, Where are you? Where are you? When I was a little girl, every now and then our parents would go, go somewhere, a party, or very, very rarely out for dinner because we didn't have a lot of disposable income. But every now and then they'd go somewhere, and they would leave all six kids at home. Not, not the wisest choice, maybe, on their part. And they always had lots of instructions. Watch out for your little sister, Lisa, because I was the youngest. Brush your teeth after dinner, go to bed at bedtime. And, and these are not 
first-time parents. They've had six kids. They know the drill. I'm sure they figured that their rules would not be followed, but they would always leave us with one prohibition, things that they didn't want us to do, and that was don't play hide-and-go-seek in the dark in the house. Someone or something always gets broken or hurt. And my parents would leave, and usually we'd start out the evening in our own separate spaces, reading or studying or listening to music. But eventually we'd all come together to eat whatever our parents had left to reheat. And after dinner, after the sun had set, we would look at each other around the dinner table, and someone would dare to ask the question that all of us were thinking. Hide and seek in the dark? Now, I want to set the scene for you for a second. Let me remind you that we lived pretty far outside of town. There were no street lights. So when you turned off all the lights of the house, it was dark. It was really dark. And my parents were right. Someone or something always got hurt or broken. I remember if I look back over time, I can think of lamps and picture frames. Even a coffee table once got broken. We were bumped and bruised when they got home. I even had a whole dresser tip over on top of me once. I was not seriously hurt by some miracle. I don't think they ever found out about that either. (laughs) But the very, very last time we played hide and seek in the dark, I remember it clearly, my brothers got into some kind of collision in the other room. I'm not sure exactly what happened. All I know is I heard a snap, a pop, and a very distinct moan. If I close my eyes, I can still hear it today. So what do we all do? With our parents' warning ringing in our ears, we all scurried off to bed early after brushing our teeth and tried to pretend that nothing had happened. We tried to hide from our parents. I remember my pulse was racing. I couldn't go to sleep. I heard my parents' car turn into the driveway. I heard the car door shut and then the door to the house open. I'm sure they were already questioning why they had come home to a suspiciously quiet and dark house. Where are you all, they asked. And they opened each bedroom door to check each bed. I squeezed my eyes shut as tightly as I could, but I swear I could still see my mother's silhouette when she opened my door. I had tears pouring down my cheek, pretending to be asleep. I heard her come into my room and say, Lisa, we already know what happened. Your dad's bringing your brother to the ER for an x-ray. It's all going to be okay. And I fell into her arms, sobbing. After I calmed down, she said she was pretty sure he had broken his arm. My mom was a nurse, and, and she was right. It was broken. There were a lot of natural consequences that happened that evening. I don't remember any punishments, really. I do remember my parents telling us how disappointed they were, which was probably the worst thing. But they didn't love us any less because we disobeyed them. My parents forgave us, my brother's arm healed, and we moved on. But it was the last time we played hide-and-seek in the dark. I wish I could say it was the last time I disobeyed my parents. Where are you, God asked Adam and Eve. And eventually it all came out, right? Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the snake. 
And what happened to them? God sent Adam and Eve, God's very good creation, out of paradise, out of the garden, out into the world, where every day, on a daily basis, humans would face the decision of turning towards God or turning away from God. Where are you? God asks us. God seeks us out over and over again, like a loving parent seeks out their child. Hiding from God seems to be a favorite pastime for some of us. Some of us hid from God before we even knew that God was calling our name and seeking us out. I can sort of get my head around that one, hiding from God before we're aware that God is looking for us, before that provenient grace got stirred up inside of us, that grace we are born with, we're created with, before we're even aware of God's unstoppable love for us. God is calling out, saying, where are you? But after that, after we're fully aware of God's love for us, God's never-ending, always-forgiving grace extended towards us. Once we're aware, doesn't it seem kind of silly to try and hide from God, knowing all this? Doesn't it seem silly that though we know there's no place on earth where God's love and light can't reach, we still try to hide from God? Doesn't it seem silly that Adam and Eve tried to hide from God in the garden that God had created? That I tried to hide from my parents by squeezing my eyes shut as hard as I could? Because at the end of the day, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that my parents loved me. And we get that very same assurance from God. God offers forgiveness, grace, and mercy, and love over and over and over again. And because of all that, God extends to each one of us. Because of it, God is constantly asking us, where are you? God is constantly asking us that when the answer is comfortable and when it's not. Because God loves us that much. And it surely isn't because God doesn't know where we are. God knows exactly where we are, both geographically and spiritually. God doesn't need us to need to ask us a question when God already knows the answer to it. I think it's because God wants us to think about that question and more important to think about the answer. Where are you? God asks. It's Sunday morning. Where are you? Are you going to sleep in and drink coffee over the newspaper? Or are you asking yourself, which worship service am I going to, 9 or 11? Are you in community with your people, fueling yourself up on all that God has to offer to empower you for the week ahead? Where are you, God asks. It's Monday morning, the start of the school week and the work week. Do you have a case of the Monday blues that you're spreading to every person you encounter? Or are you carrying God with you out into the world? Maybe as you decide whether to sit with your best friends at lunch or to sit with a classmate who always sits alone. Are you carrying God with you out into the world as you listen, really listen, to your colleague share his story about the family meeting they had over the weekend, trying to decide whether to place their aging parent in assisted living? 
Are you making choices that has God crying out, where are you? Or are you making choices that has God crying out, there you are. That's my child. Either way, God loves you. But still, God invites you to think about that question. Where are you? Amen. As the ushers come forward to receive the offering this morning, let me remind you that we have electronic giving cards in the back pockets of the chairs, if that's the way, if you choose to give electronically in some way or another. And also, as the baskets go throughout the room, I invite you to share it with each and every person in this, this room, every set of hands, young and old. Hold on to that basket. Pray for all the ways and all the gifts that we extend to God this morning. Will you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you for asking us the hard questions. Questions like, where are you? And thank you for loving us no matter what our answer is. God, be with us in the week ahead. Help us use all that we have to offer you so that more of your children may become aware of your presence in their lives. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.